Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. Blog Talk Radio. It's the Late Show with This morning, looking for my shoes, looked behind the trunk, found the hesitation blues. Lordy, tell me how long? Lordy, tell me how long? Will I have to wait? Will I have to wait? Can I get you now? Can I get you now? Must I hesitate? Trying this out, trying it two nights a week. 
here on Francie and Friends. Tonight we have, from across that big lake on the other side of the world, Mark, uh, uh, actor, very talented actor, Mark Allen Pilgrim. So you're going to hear an accent. Cool. And let's see here. Uh, Sunday night, don't forget, we will be live again at 8 o'clock p.m. Pacific time, 11 o'clock Eastern time with New York Times bestselling author Jonathan Mayberry. Got a lot oh, of questions. Yeah. This, man. This, man is, yeah. this man has seen it all in the book industry. You know it. Very talented writer. Very excited to have him on. That's going to be a great show. And let's see here on the 29th, which is next Wednesday, Rob Yeager from uh, Bright Tech Pictures. Uh, he's in the American Poltergeist. Uh, I Oh, oh crap, go. I forgot the lady's name. Lilith? Huh? Lilith? Yeah. And yeah. Hill Week. Yeah. Very talented actor, good-looking guy, too. I must admit. I'll take your word right. for it. <laughs> and this one is in a further date, but we got it. We've been talking to this lady. Very, another, very, ah, there's going to be a lady on. <laughs> yeah, guys. Watch out. Uh, we're going to be keeping it real with a great and talented actress, Deborah Lamb. And Tom, oh, I was cool. telling, uh, yeah, she's so funny. Oh my! She's she's funny. She's awesome. Uh, Tom, I was telling William before you called in. Uh, I did talk to Butch Patrick today. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, he kept breaking in and out though. Yeah, he kept breaking in and out though. So he said he'll call me back when he reaches his next destination. He'll call me back in a couple of days. So we can discuss it better about the show. So, yes, we will get the infamous Butch Patrick on the show without a doubt. And there will be more listings coming up. We just got to remember to stay professional and, uh, you know, hold back on the excitement a little bit. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it was so funny when he when he called me. He 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 has that voice, like a really distinctive voice. And I I like you know I already knew it was him calling, and he was like, "Hi, this is Butch Patrick. I am trying to reach Francie Weatherman." (laughs) You got her. (laughs) Yeah, he he was like, he was he was he was really nice. He was really nice, and. When I told him that he was breaking in and out, because he, he kept talking and talking, and I was, like, hearing every other word. So we're, we're going to get him. That, that's going to be awesome. I know he's probably got some great stories to tell, so that that's going to be an oh, awesome Oh, without show. a doubt. Oh, yeah. And uh, Chuck Chap- Chaplin will more than likely come on and help us host the show. So because cool. him and Butch. Well, if it wasn't for Chuck Chapman, Butch, Butch Patrick wouldn't even know who we are. So, thank you, Chuck. Well, then, well that means one of us has to send Chuck a nice bottle of Southern Comfort. It's a nice little thank you, Joe. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, he's he's in South Carolina. South Carolina, that's awesome. That's my home state. All right, uh, Nick's not on. Uh, uh, I guess he, he's not. I guess he made all of his announcements Sunday night. Apparently, his his phone's dead. So he, I asked him if he had any announcements, and he said I. I just made them three nights ago. Nothing major happened. So, all right. But like mentioned, books is still up and running. He's having a great time doing it. All the books are still coming out. He's working his butt off. And how about you guys? Any announcements before we bring Alan on? Mark Allen on. Any? I see he's on. Mm-hmm. He's called in. So. Well, I guess my daughter's getting married on October third. So we uh, don't know if I'll be able to call in. Well, well, that's my birthday. So that's my birthday also. So we might we might skip October third. Well, well, that, I'll yeah. try. Just gotta, you know, I'll wish a happy birthday, anyways, man. So you know, yeah, so that's yeah. Well, well, I'm, sure, not, I'm sure we, we you know, I'm sure we can always do that some some way, shape, or form. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll, we'll discuss. I was hoping to get Butch Patrick on the show. For October third, I mentioned that first, and he goes, "Ah, no, I got an early flight, and I got to drive all the next day, Monday." And I'm like, "But it's my birthday." <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay. We'll 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 get him. We'll get him. He'll yep. be on. Well, we can get some other B movie scream queens. We got Deborah Lamb. I, you know, yeah, some other ones. I'm I'm excited about Deborah. You know, I, I never realized. I, I, because I've seen her at a lot of the conventions, uh, well, two of them. I've seen her at two of the conventions when Nick and I were doing the conventions, also the Miss Misery and uh, the Days of Terror that was here a couple of years ago. She's just so funny. And she's always just, she when she takes your picture, she's like, here we go, here we go, now do something. <laughs> and you're like, what? Yeah, she's, she's funny. Love her to death. Well, hey, I mean, you know, that makes these a lot more fun that way, you know? Oh, yeah. 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 And I believe she, I don't think she drinks because I've offered her a drink. She's like, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't think she drinks. She's just that excited all the time. This is going to be great. Cool. Yeah. All right. William, any announcements for him before you, from you? Uh, well, just, just that, uh, you know, folks, you're uh, you know, ready for some uh, good epic fantasy. Uh, Legend of Graham, How to Clear is still out and in circulation and uh, readily available. And, you know, if you want any autographed copies or any autographs in general, please uh, hit me up on Facebook. I'll be happy to... Uh, Autograph it personally, or uh, even uh, you know, sign a few nameplates and book plates for it. So. And, and where cool. where would they? Let's say like somebody that's not your Facebook friend is listening right now. Where where would they find you? Well, uh, they they could uh, find me uh, if not on Facebook, then on uh, Instagram, and uh, other than that. Uh, Although I don't use it very often, but uh, Twitter at uh, W. E. Brower Jr. and uh, also yeah, I, YouTube. 
Nice. So, uh, yep. All right. Well, let's let's bring over our man from across the big ocean. It's four o'clock his time. Poor thing had to set his alarm to wake up and talk to us first thing in the morning. <sighs> that could be all about humanity. I cringe. <laughs> he, he's probably waking yeah. up and going, "Oh, this is this is what four o'clock looks like." Oh. These bloody Americans, man. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's us bloody wankers again. It's Monday over there, or is it Tuesday over there? I know when Missy uh, did the show, it was Monday night, his night, his at that time. It was Monday night. So I kept saying, no, it's Sunday. And he goes, no, it's Monday. So I kept saying, no, the show's on Sunday. He goes, no, the show's on Monday. And I'm like, uh, he's in Australia. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, so for, it, yeah, it for, for Mark, while. it's Thursday. So, yeah, it's Thursday ballpark. over there. That time out, though, when he was on the show, he, he kept telling me that it's on Monday, and I was trying to get it right with him. I'm like, no, the show's on Sunday. No, the show's on Monday. <laughs> oh, you're in Australia. I forgot. All right, let, let, let's bring let's bring the little guy on because I, I I know he's he's already awake and hopefully he can get to, back to bed before he has to get up and go to work again. All right, here he is, Mark Allen Pilgrim. Yay! Yay! Hi, welcome, Mark. Good morning, uh, Mark. How we doing, doing mate? Right. Yeah. I'm I'm doing I'm doing good, William. Can I throw a couple of things in straight away? Um, first and foremost, this Chuck bloke. Never mind Jack Daniels. Um, you need to get him a Cornish patty. <laughs> and second of all, um, Francie, I didn't realise your birthday was the third of October, and um, that that is actually. That was the date that my daughter was due. And I said, oh. you know, if she's, well, I didn't know it was going to be a, a, a girl at the time, but I said, if she, you know, it, it, if it comes on time, can we call it Eddie? <laughs> if it's a boy. Oh. And the reason being, and William will know this, I'm a, I'm a big fan of rock and roll. At October the 3rd was Eddie Cochran's birthday. October the third was when Eddie Cochran was born. So oh, I you, you share, yeah, you share your birthday with true greatness. Um, let's face it, no one's no one's ever been as good as Eddie Cochran. Sadly, he I, didn't I, live long enough to really prove that. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, but that's why his music is a, is eternal anyway. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's true. That's true. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I I I, I think I I read somewhere that Jack Wagner was shared my birthday. I was like, oh, oh that's exciting. Well, I didn't know all I you need is just a little more. Cause all all you need is just a little more time. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, true. <laughs> yep. That's true. That's true. So so how are things overseas there, my friend? Yeah, I, everything's well. <laughs> um, it depends on how you look at it. If you're on about the um, 
the COVID thing, I, I don't think that's going away anytime soon. Um, you say about I have to get up to go to work. I actually haven't got to go to work today. I, I work I work for the NHS at the moment because I can't work on the stage because the theatres have been shut for so long. Um, I've been doing the COVID testing and I do like three days on and three days off. And this is my, well, this is Thursday. This is my second of three days off. Um, oh wow! I don't know. The, the next time I'm going to get on stage, I'm, I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be doing a thing called uh, Field of Greens in Plymouth, which is all about Plymouth Argyle Football Club. It's a comedy based on how the, the locals based um, based in Plymouth actually saved the football club because it went bankrupt and uh, it almost got closed down and all that sort of thing and basically the locals bought it but it's a comedy it's written by a, a local writer called Rick O'Shea and that's not a joke that is actually his name Rick O'Shea Rick O'Shea um, oh, I can't wow. say anything <laughs> that's, yeah that's with that's a name like Tom Sawyer I can't say anything yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, I mean, a name like Tom Soil, you know, talking Mark Twain and Huckleberry Finn, and you know, don't, don't belittle that. That's one of the greatest writers oh. in history. You know, he's in the leagues of, of Dickens and Tennessee Williams and all them. So, oh. yeah, don't belittle that. You should you should be happy with having a name like that. You know, well, I tell I tell people I'm gonna get even with the old fart. Write a book, Mark Twain by Tom Sawyer, and you know. You know, that's my way. You know, deal. You know, so I mean. Well, I I mean, you do that, or you can always go with Plan B and be like, well, you know, there, there was that one time um, I was hanging out with uh, Getty Lee for a little bit. He was uh, he was stuck here on uh, after his car broke down, and after I got his car fixed, he wrote this song about me with his band. I forgot the name of it. I think it's like Rush or something. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Oh, he just, yeah. <laughs> I love Tom's response. <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, you amuse me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's great. I, I I love that. I love it. Yeah, when Nick told me that he's coming out with a book by Tom Sawyer, I'm like, well, Tom Sawyer? What? That's crazy. He's not real. He's not a writer. He's a character. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm a character, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I think about yeah. a name like Rick O'Shea or Tom Sawyer or whatever. You have to have a sense of humor in life. So that's the good thing about having a name like that. You know how to laugh yeah. at it. You know, and enjoy it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, come on. Are we, are we... Sorry. At least your guy's Mark? last name isn't Weatherman. Yeah. That's it. Blame it on the Weatherman. Yeah, that's, that's been, oh my gosh, I cannot tell you how many times. Oh, Fred. And then my name spelled wrong. So everybody's like, Francisca. Francisca Weatherman? Right here. Right here. Right here. So yeah, all right, all right, all right. Yeah. We 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 had fun with the names, as we often do. Yeah, yeah. we we're kooky that way. So what you working yes. on, Mark? Yes. We're, we're, 
We've got to say congratulations to William for getting that publish, publishing deal um, with his new stories. Uh, I hope that really kicks off, makes him a few pounds, so he can afford an extra you know, spoonful of salt on his porridge. That would be fantastic. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, hopefully, if everything goes well, I can upgrade my tea to Earl Grey. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, but, uh, um, well, go ahead. What were you saying? Oh, I was going to say. So, Mark, you're coming out. You're you're going to be doing a play here soon. Yeah. Where? No, no, I, I, I think we're trying to keep you awake a little bit. I know it is early yeah. for you. Yeah. No, I'm all right. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm fine. I've got a cup of tea here. I'm, I'm tickety blue. I've got a cup of strong Yorkshire tea. Yeah, I'm awake. I'm fine. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> now, well, let me, let me, I, I let do... me ask you this. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, William. Okay, no, I, I was going to say, I do want to congratulate uh, Mark, though, and also uh, Leah as well, too, if she's listening, if, if she's awake, because um, not too long ago, uh, they actually had uh, lent their talents uh, to my friend Bill Willard's uh, annual Titanic conference, and they actually uh, did a uh, full monologue of survivors' accounts, and from what I've heard from everyone that's attended, uh, they were moved in tears. So uh, kudos to you for actually, you know, for, for pulling it off, you know, e- even if it's just you reading lines as you, as you had explained it, but, you know, it's the way that you delivered it that made the, the impact. So wow. you know, everybody in the Titanic community is still talking about it. And we're that's, going on a month later. That is really good news. I mean, when when Bill asked me to do that, he he, he emailed me this piece, and I I only had about forty eight hours to do it, and I thought, well, and I was working at the time as well. I was actually on on these what I was saying about these 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 COVID nineteen tests, and I didn't have a lot of spare time. But but what I'd done was I thought, well, I ain't got a hope in hell of learning it because it was like two pages. I thought, well, I'll, do is I'll just read it as much as I can so that at least when I record it, it doesn't sound like I'm reading it because I'll know it well enough to know what, what the next paragraph is about. So I'd, so I'd done all of that one. And then I think it was I think it was the week, the week before the actual conference, he wrote to me at the drop of a hat. He said, look, if you've got time, can you do another one for me? Because someone's let me down. And... I literally done the second one. I think it was the one about the baker, the guy who was the very last person to leave RMS Titanic. And, you know, it, I, I, actual time spent on it, I, I, I barely had an hour. I'd read it a couple of times during the day because of working and that, but I barely had an hour to record it. Uh, I don't know how I managed to do it, but by all accounts, I pulled it off. He actually wrote back to me when I submitted it to him. He actually wrote back to me and said that he was in tears listening to it. So, 
I, I, you know, I was, I was pretty, I was pretty taken back by that. I'm, I'm, it was quite privileged because, by all accounts, this this conference has been going on for several years, and it's the first time that they've ever had um, like vocal recordings of those testimonies. And I mean, William will know this. I've got a connection with Titanic, not in the the usual suspects way. All my 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 relatives who were on there or you know my relatives built it or anything like that not like that but years ago before I when I was actually starting out on stage I worked with um, a thing called the Print and Summer Theatre and the director of that was Jack Watling and that was the first time I ever heard anything about Titanic because apart from that ballad, is it ballad that found it I'd never really heard of it I've heard the story of it, but I've never really taken much interest in it. But Jack Watling was in A Night to Remember, and he was chatting to me about it. And this was actually around about the time that, that James Cameron's film came out. So Titanic was really big news. When was it, 96, 97, something like that? I don't quite know what year it was. Um, yeah, 97. Yeah, so so it was kind of, because it was big news, he made a big point when he introduced himself. He made a big point of saying that he was in a night to remember. And I went home and I watched it. I, I went and found the video in the local Woolworths sort of thing, and I watched it. And I, I'd already seen Cameron's Titanic. And I actually thought a night to remember was a better film. You know, it had that. I don't know what it was. It had that documentary feel to it. It looked real. All right, it's in black and white. Bro. And obviously, there's the, the the weird thing about a night to remember. I, I was sitting there expecting to watch something like Titanic, where it's like a couple of hours of you know characters and this and the other, and then like an hour of the scene thing. Whereas, if I remember right, I haven't seen it for a while. But if I remember right, a night to remember that. The Titanic is sinking within like 15 minutes of the film starting. Yep. I might be wrong there. I haven't seen it for a while, but it's certainly pretty, you know, not a long time into the film. And it was kind of, as I say, it had a documentary feel to it. And it's actually directed by a bloke who's Werewolf Baker. actually directed one of my favourite films. I don't know if you remember when I was on Francie and Friends last time, when I said that my all-time favourite film was a thing called The Wild Gate. And there's a bloke in that called Hardy Kruger. And Hardy Kruger made a film with Roy Wall Baker about the one that got away, about a German Luftwaffe pilot who was the only bloke ever to escape from captivity and go back to his own country and... and it actually ended, the film is called The One That Got Away. It actually ended, he, he escaped two or three times from camps in England because he was a down Luftwaffe pilot. And he ended up in Canada and he got to, he got to America across the frozen lake and he got to the United States and he claimed asylum because, of course, at that point in the war, the, the United States weren't in the, weren't in the war. And somehow he made it back to Germany. The real guy actually died within a year of getting back to Germany. But it's such a bloody good film. It really is. It's called The One That Got Away. And that's what made me think, oh, I like, I like The One That Got Away. I'm going to have to watch A Night to Remember. And 
There you go. That's my connection with Titanic. I work with Jack Watley. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and, and, you know, and, and I remember, just for the record, is you know, even though the film came out in 1958, to this day it is still considered the most accurate Titanic film in history. And that's well, because yeah. uh, there were over 100 survivors on hand that helped in the production. Oh, wow. That would make yeah. sense. That would make sense. One thing that I do remember about it is it doesn't break up. Um, I, I think that was because at the time they didn't believe that it had, that, that, that she had actually broken in half. Um, it, it wasn't until the guy found the wreck in, in the mid-80s that they, they confirmed that it had actually broken because there was eyewitnesses that said that it broke, but, uh, but they just didn't believe them, did they? Right. Yeah, huh. But, but even, even, even with that minor little flub-up, it's still pretty good. It is extremely good. It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, Mark, let me let me ask you this. Well, you you guys are having a great conversation about Titanic. I don't want to change the subject. I just want to keep going. No, feel free. Oh well, I I, I don't want to change the subject because this the conversation was actually very intriguing. Yeah. Okay, um, Mark. Let me ask you when when is it there was a there had to be a part in your life where you decided, I want to be an actor. When would you say that occurred? Uh, I tell you, I, you know what? I think that I think I know exactly when that was. Um, it was the first time I ever I, I, I went to cinema and I saw a film called The Thing. And it was a John Carpenter film. It's actually my favourite film, or certainly my not my favourite film. It's my favourite American film. And I saw those characters and that writing. I hadn't been at the theatre at that time. I was only about ten. You know, I was supposed to see I E T, but it was full. And thankfully, I saw the thing instead. And I think, um, I think these days the thing is held as a better film than E.T. E.T. isn't actually that great a film compared to that. But um, yeah. the, the writing in it, and the, it, it was the paranoia. It was the characters. The film itself is about an alien, and there's the gore, and there's the monster, and there's this, that, and the other. But it isn't that that makes the film. It's the characters. It's the it, it's yeah. that growing paranoia and that mistrust, and I thought I'd love to do that. I would love to do that, and 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 you know, years later it was cemented for me because I, I saw so many films. I started going to the theatre quite a bit, and um, yeah, I, I just thought I'd love to give that a go. And I, I've done bits and pieces at school, and always got a round of applause, and I thought, yeah, okay. I'll see what happens, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I've made a good name for myself on the stage. Nobody knows who I am. You know, I'm not Tom Cruise or Clint Eastwood, obviously, but, like, I'm, I, I, I think I've done a good body of work. I've always been proud of what I've done. 
Um, I've had people ask me to sign the theatre brochures and stuff like that. I've had people come up to me in the bar in the theatre and say, I really enjoyed that. That was really good. And, and that's, that's, what, that, that's what has really been good for me. You know, I know I can deliver a performance. I can create a character. I can use, more importantly, I can use the words that the writer has written, whether that's something old like Dario Fo or you know, Brecht or Shakespeare or something, or something recent, something new. I can make the most of the language and, and, and the, you know, the, the, the dialogue. I've always tried to be as, I've always tried to be unique. But it was, it was back in 1982. I was only nine, ten, and I got to see the thing in the cinema, you know, so there you go. <laughs> right. Now, now, speaking of uh, dialogue, you know, yeah. and I'm still, I'm still amazed that you were able to pull it off because it is actually rather difficult, but you know, I want to give props to you again, once again. You know, for for doing your uh, performances, Wyatt Earp, and actually doing it with an American accent. So, you know, I mean, you need help. Come on. You know what? You're on about the vendetta. You're on about the vendetta, aren't you? But with the vendetta, I had I had a really script, and I sat and read a book. I, I can't. Forgive me if, if on the off chance that the author is listening, I, I forgive me if I can't remember his name, but there's a book called Wyatt Earp, The Life Behind the Legend. And when I read that book, I picked up that book and I read that and I read it cover to cover and it was, it was really hard work to read. The, the font on it was really small and all that kind of stuff. It's like It's almost like reading a Bible. Um, I've read it since actually because I've gone and bought it on Kindle and it's not such a struggle to read it on Kindle, you know, for what I'm saying about the font. But I, you know, I really, really nailed everything I possibly could about about this man, Wyatt Berry Stapp and and yeah, there's the film. You know, there's there, there's uh, there's Kevin Costner, there's Kurt Russell, there's. Um, not Kurt Douglas, who was it who played his gunfight? Um, Burt Lancaster, Henry yeah. Bonder. Loads of people have played him. Yeah. And I tried to steer away from them to a point because I thought I'm familiar with them. And, but but I, 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 think, I, I think I still used a certain amount of... Um, Certainly Russell's Wyatt. Uh, I think Russell got it closer than anybody else. Going by what I read in that book, um, I might be saying that because I like Kurt Russell, but like, I, I think he done, done a terrific job. But what, what I did find about it was, with most of the films, Tombstone, Gunfighter uh, Headcoat Corral is about as accurate as, you know, the Titanic sinking on the moon in a film. It wasn't that accurate. It wasn't real. But Tombstone was pretty accurate. Apart, the only thing that was really that was really inaccurate about Tombstone was when they murdered, or when they attempted to, when they attempted an assassination on Virgil Earp, and then murdered Morgan, 
in history, that was like a few months apart. I, th I, think, I think the attempt on Virgil was sort of December time and, and Morgan was murdered in March, whereas yeah. in the film, it, yeah. it was all in the same night. But that, I, I think that's just for narrative. That's just the, 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 yeah. the Colleen got a bog the pace of the film. I think apart from that, they pretty much got it spot on. They certainly got the gunfight spot on because I suppose yeah. it lasted you know, less than a minute, and the gunfight itself lasts a bit longer than that in the film, but I suppose when they're going on about angles and trying to show what everybody's doing, you know, who fired first and all that kind of thing. I, mean, there's a, there's a, I remember reading the, the testimony of Wyatt Earp, and it was one of the things that was in the dialogue of this play that I had done. You know, Wyatt, the guy that actually drew the gun first, and fired first was the one that Wyatt shot at because he knew one, one. don't quote me on the names but he, he actually drew his gun and, and pointed it at somebody else because he knew that that other guy was the better shot and all that kind of thing and he thought that he was the bigger threat I, I, it's four in the morning I can't think of the name with Billy and, and um, Frank McClowry and who's hmm. the other one um, Tom McClowry yeah, Wyatt I think yeah, yeah. Point, yeah. 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 Wyatt pointed his gun at the guy who didn't actually draw his gun first because he, you know, he, he felt he felt he was a bigger threat. And I, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fascinating story. That the, the Wyatt the story of Wyatt Barry Stapper, you know, there you go, Barry Stapp. Why, why do you think his name's Barry Stapp? I mean, you guys in America, you should know this. Do you know this? The, uh, the gunfight itself, yeah. I do, yeah. Yeah. Well, Wyatt was, um, his father was Nicholas Earp, and he named Wyatt after his commanding officer in, in the Mexican Wars. His commanding officer was a lieutenant, lieutenant. I'm sorry, what do you guys say, lieutenant? Lieutenant. He was a lieutenant, uh, and his name was Barry Stapp. So in other words, Wyatt's middle name was Barry Stapp after the guy that was Nicholas's, um, you know, commanding officer in the Mexican War. There you go. History lesson for you. Up our score in the morning. That ain't bad, is it? <laughs> no, that's, that's not bad at all. No, no, I love history, man. That's, that's you know. You know. I yeah. Mean, what, 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 what's your secret on still being able to pull this off at four in the morning? That, that's the main what? question. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's what I, I mean, we was on here last time talking about the Battle of Lucy Sands. That's, that, that was the main thing. To be honest, you talk about Wyatt Earp. That was the main thing that drew me to the story of Lucy Sands because the Lucy Sands story is literally the exact same time in history. Yeah. You know, the gunfight, the OK Corral yeah. gunfight was the 26th of October and Lucy was murdered on the 1st of December. You know, yet there's nothing, there's nothing at all about Lucy. And yet, in its day, the magnitude of the story, it was like the Titanic disaster. It, it, was, in, it was in every paper in the British Empire. It, was in, it would have been read about in Africa, India, Australia, probably even over in America. It would have been read about 
And yet, as I say, the magnitude of the story, it was like a Titanic thing, or it was like, you know, the the Diana car crash or or the moon landing. That was the magnitude of the story. And yet it's been completely and utterly forgotten ever since. Which is, you know, why I was so drawn to this thing about Lucy Sands. So, as you, as well, William will know this. That's all wrapped now. It's in the hands of editing and all that. So hopefully that will be along very, very soon. Yeah, so well, the early part of next year, with any of that. You know, I mean, you know, just between the trailer and everything else, like I said before, I mean, it looks like a great film, and uh, you know, yeah. You you know how to pull off making a, a very intimidating cheap inspector. So, uh, you know, kudos on that one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, the trailer looks great, but you haven't seen you haven't seen the best of what I do in that. I mean, the scenes that I do. That they they. I mean, that was the great thing about that character. I, I I when I read it, I thought. The most important thing was to give him like an everyman quality. I mean, he was a guy who's adored by the flock and hated by the wall, you know. And and oh. there's points where he's an absolute, he's, he's tenacious, you know. He's like a dog with a bone. He he knows who did it and he won't let go until something, yeah, you know, until something comes true, comes something actually. You know, takes the shape of what he needs for justice for Lucy, and, and he's really determined. And there's points in it where he's basically in tears. You know, not only not only is he throwing a preacher across a railway platform. I mean, he's, uh, like a preacher who's going on about the Bible and Jesus and all that. He's, he literally manhandles this guy and throws him off a railway platform. Um, but there's, there's, a, there's a really tender moment with a little girl where she gives him a coin and he says, well, what's this for? And she says, it's for the girl beneath the stone. You know, in other words, she's donated money towards her funeral. She spent all, all week earning this money, cleaning the steps for a woman up the road. She's a little nine-year-old, eight-year-old girl. And she says, it's for, it's for the girl beneath the stone. And... Just recording that scene was like really, really powerful. But it shows that humanity that he's got. He has got a lot of humanity. It's a great character. And to be fair to Steve, he wrote, he wrote about it. He wrote the screenplay. He's written it really well. Yeah. And he's written the stuff that mm-hmm. an actor needs as a toll. You know, an author, an author needs to write the things that an actor couldn't use. And if an actor can't use it, then it ain't going to work. And this, I'm pretty determined that this is going to work. You know. Now, you know, do you have any uh, dream roles that you would love to uh, you know, have an opportunity to portray? You know, um, there's a couple. There's a couple. Uh, on the stage, there's, there's several on the stage I'd love to do. But certainly, if it was to be a modernizing film, I'd love to do like a film noir type thing. You know, kind of like a Humphrey oh. Bogart, Maltese Falcon type character. That I'd, lo- I'd love it if they could hark back to them days and make something like that. You know, somebody with a with a fedora, or you know, 
smoking a cigarette with a trench coat and standing under I'd love to play one of them sort of like, you know, you know, uh, private eye sort of things. I'd love to do something like that. Um, I, historically, well, I've already done White Earp. There's no, there's no chance of me doing White Earp on film, that's for sure. But historically, there, there's a couple of people I'd like to play. Um, a couple of people like, uh, like Heroes of the Battle of Britain. Or, you know, like the Second World War. Um, they made a film about Pierpoint. I would like to have played somebody like that, you know. I, I, yeah, one of them sort of like really shady sort of people that nobody knew anything about in their work in time because it was all so hush-hush, but they've already gone and done that. Um, just something that hasn't been done before. Good, which of course I've been lucky with with Lucy Sands. If that's even the light of day and that actually gets an audience, I've already done that. Yeah, the Lucy mm. Sands thing it isn't like mm. coming and doing Dracula or Frankenstein or for that matter Star Wars or Indiana Jones. It, it's nothing like that whatsoever. It's something that nobody's ever seen before. So in that sense, I've already done a dream role, assuming it finds an audience. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that does. It makes a lot of sense. What would you say is the toughest role you've played so far? You what, sorry? Tom? What would you say has been your toughest role to play so far? Oh, far and away this one that I've done for Lucy simply because of the realism of it and the, the fact that it's, it's, as I say, it's an unknown story. I've had to, I've had to put so much work into it. I mean, I, I, even to the point where I've had to watch it. I mean, this thing took almost three years to do. I mean, we started shooting in October 2018 uh-huh. and we only finished in July, just a couple of months ago. So that whole time, you imagine me, I'm in my 40s. I've had to maintain my weight, my appearance. And that's uh-huh. no mean feat for someone in their 40s. I've been down the gym. And then not only that, I've gone down to my local gym. And, and Mike Munns has said to me, he said, oh, Mark, mate, see you for ages. You all right? I said, yeah, well, yeah, but, like, I'm underweight. I haven't been able to do anything like this because, like, I'm, you know, I've lost too much weight. I've got to put a bit of weight on. Um I'm not kidding you. Like, if I if I lose a pound, it shows in my face. Similarly, if I if I put a pound on, it shows in my face. And somehow I've managed to maintain it to within about half a pound all the way through this last two two and a half three wow. years. And I don't know how, but wow. I have. <laughs> that, that's that's probably, impressive. That's yeah. I mean, I'll give you an example. We filmed... Um, do you remember when I was on last time, what I said about how we filmed the funeral in the church where, where she actually where she's actually buried? Yeah. There was, a, there was a scene that I was supposed to film that day where Isaac Bird, as in the, you know, the guy I'm playing, Isaac is basically scanning the crowd. And, and, and on the script, it says that, you know, I'm not talking, but it's the voices in my head. It's like my voice in my head, you know, someone thinking to themselves. 
and he's scanning the route saying, somebody knows something. Somebody knows who did this. This is like two or three days after she, her body's been found. She was, the funeral was quite quick. And he's scanning the crowd. Somebody knows something. Somebody knows, you know, you know. I'm looking at all the faces. Because we've had so many extras, all the chaperones and the children and all dressed as orphans and all that kind of thing, we didn't get to do that scene. And I actually filmed that. That was October um, 2019. I actually got to film that scene at um, Flandards here in Cornwall in November last year, so November 2020. So basically a year later, I got to film that scene. And the idea was they put me in front of a green screen. They were going to put like the, the, a photo of the church ceiling, and they filmed me from you know basically from my waist, looking up at me as I'm scanning. As and he just said, just look backwards and forwards, and then we'll record your voice, and then we'll dub it on. Right now, in the timeline of the film, bear in mind this is a year apart. In the timeline of the film, this takes place seconds before the footage that we've got filmed in the church of me sitting on the pews or standing there as they're bringing the coffin and all that. So it takes place seconds before in the timeline of the film. And yet it was a year later. And yet I was still the same way, give or take literally a couple of ounces. So, yeah, that's probably, yeah, I'm quite impressed with that. I, yeah, I, I, as you oh, should oh. be. <laughs> yeah. And it makes me I laugh think... because I'll tell you what makes me laugh. What makes me laugh is that I do. I have that kind of commitment, and I haven't had a big break yet. As yet, people like Marlon Brando, who they rave and rant about, used to have his lines read to him through an earpiece. Now, yeah. Can you imagine him on the stage with me? I'd run rings round him. I'd literally <laughs> act circles. I'd, I'd act circles round him. You know? And yet they rave and rant about him, and yet he had his lines read to him for a minute. They go on about the Godfather. Oh, he's so good. Well, no, he wasn't, because he had his lines written on a wall in front of him. He was reading them. You know? But come on. Yeah, I, 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 I did, did, I did see... With Richard Burton... <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, I did see I, like uh, I, think, I think it was like a mojo, like uh, the worst act, the most hated actors in Hollywood, and Marlon Brando was yeah. at one of the top ones, and it did say that he refused to memorize his lines, that they would yeah. read him his lines. It's disgusting. It's absolutely well, disgusting because you know if you if you don't know your lines, how can you truly be acting? Because as an actor, you're with your lines, you think about think about it in sense of classical theatre, like Shakespeare or you know Dario Faro or Stanislavski or something like that. If you don't know those lines, how can you possibly be portraying that character properly? Because you're not going to be able to react to what people are saying. You haven't got the reaction. You haven't got people to be able to react to you. And those words aren't going to come across. They're not. They're not coming out real because you're not feeling them. Like what I was saying about this little girl with the coin. This is for the girl under the stones. I mean, I was fighting back the tears. The reason I was fighting back the tears was because I knew we were filming right next to a busy bay road 
And I was worried about continuity because I thought if I do end up crying or having tears, I'm not going to be able to do that two or three times with the close-ups and all that kind of thing. I've got to keep it consistent. So, you know... No. Well, I mean, it's disgusting. It's disgusting the, yeah. the, 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 how they hold him in such high regard. And yet, bottom line is, if he didn't know his lines, then he, might, he wasn't an actor. He was not an actor. Probably, there's probably kiddies in a, in a nativity <coughs> play at your, at your local school that are doing a better job than he would. You know? So it well, seems kind I mean, of morally wrong to me because you're yeah, it's morally taking wrong. a job yeah. from an actor that would be willing to not mail it in. So to speak, you know. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think I, maybe he was so famous. I was trying to do an impersonation of him. Wow, that really flopped. <laughs> Failed. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's just yeah. Oops, I did it again. <laughs> maybe he he just just because of his voice. Do you think that people bow down and you know to him because of his voice? Anybody can almost impersonate Brando. He's just really high and easily like this more than anything else. So well, just give me $20 million right now and we'll, we'll, we'll call it even. Yeah. He was certainly no Richard Burton or Lawrence Olivier, was he? Yeah, no, he wasn't. You, no. you guys, you guys, you guys over there on that side of the pond, you've had some great actors through history, whether that's on the stage or on the screen. I mean, talk about the screen, for example. You had Gregory Peck, you've had Robert Mitchum, you've had Bogart, you've had Boris Carlos, you've had um, oh, uh, what's his name? Um, Jimmy James Stewart, Jimmy Stewart. Each and every one of them is better than Marlon Brando. By a long, 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 long way. By a long way. And I'm talking about it in the sense of not the films they've made, but the craft, the work that they've done. You know, no, I mean, it, 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 you know. now I mean, you know, now comparing it to your craft, you know, hmm. I, 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 I always describe your performances as being a combination of Lawrence Olivier and Errol Flynn minus the wild parties. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you do bring up bring out that little bit of charisma every once in a while when it's called for. <laughs> I think it's called swag nowadays. You got that swag. Swagger. Mm. Yeah, there Swagger. we are. That's... Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you talk about people like I, I said it like Kurt Russell. You know, like Kurt Russell's kind of like that. He's got a, he's got a, he's got that kind of um, swagger to him, hasn't he? And it, uh, think about English people. Some some of the um, you know, Probably like James Nesbitt, you know, a guy who's famous for cold feet and the Irishman, you know, or a, a stretch, I would say, like Roger Moore or someone like that. They've got, um, 
yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I might have a bit of a swagger to me. I, yeah, I, I, I think that's a fair comment. I think that's a fair comment. Yeah. I'm a little smart at times. Yeah. Now, they, they do. <laughs> Mark, they well, do talk about how... There, see? I, I, have, oh. I have a little bit of Eddie Cocker that comes out on me every now and again. <laughs> it must be our birthday. <laughs> Every industry, including the entertainment industry, is full of competition. What yeah. what do you do to stand out amongst all the competition out there? Good question. I don't do anything to stand out because, let's face it, nobody knows who I am. Um, on the stage... Yeah, they know who I am. Over here, they know who I am. But I just, as you say, it, what was it you said about Brando? It's, it's, it's morals. Um, I have an ethic to it. If I'll, I'll read something, and if I don't like it, or I don't think I'd want to sit and watch it, then there's no way I'll do it, because I think I'm not giving the credit to the writers if I don't think I can do what they need me to do. If it's something oh. I'm, if, if somebody else was doing it, I'd want to sit and watch it. Mm. Then that makes me think, okay, I'll I'll do this, and I and I give it a hundred percent every single word, every single cue, and I don't just learn. A lot of actors think that oh yeah, you just learn your lines. You don't just learn your lines. You're supposed to know the whole thing inside out. Certainly on the stage, you should know each and every word from start to finish and and I take that very seriously I learned the whole thing so that I can I, as, you, as you said before I can react I know when to react to what somebody's saying I know how to react and um, it's all about the pronunciation the rhythm of, of, of each cue um, having a certain amount of vibrato in your voice when it's called for and, and things like that it's an ethic. If I if I say I'm going to do something, I'll do it and I'll give it a hundred percent, absolutely hundred percent. And and as far as I'm concerned, there's no one in the world that at that point in time will possibly do it better because I'm that focused on it. I mean, oh, sure, wow. you know, you know, there are people that probably could do it better, but I have to believe that I'm the best person for it, and I have to prove it. And that, um, that, again, that's down to ethics. That's down to, you know, I'm going to give it everything I've got because somebody's trusting me to do it. Now, I, I, I can definitely uh, vouch, vouch for Mark on that one because uh, a few months ago when I was taking my master class, uh, I actually borrowed Mark uh, in between takes when he was taking his days off and, and on breaks from Lucy. And I was sending him uh, the script that I was working on for my final exam, just more than anything else, just to get his feedback on it. And uh, next, next thing I know, you know, I'm waking up in the morning and I look at my phone and there's 27 voicemails. And here he is going word for word of all the roles in, in the, uh, that I thought was good for a character for him, reciting it during the course of the script and then stopping and going, now, is that a little bit better, or do you want me to uh, to add a little bit more bravado into his tone of voice, or 
what what are your general thoughts about Steam 54, page 37, uh, line 22? And I'm and I'm looking hey, at William, the phone and I'm like, yeah. I, I I I haven't even brewed my coffee yet. I don't know, but this is impressive already. <laughs> <laughs> are you on about? Are you on? What was that called? Un, uncharted Path. Yeah, Uncharted Path. Yeah, oh, I'd love to do that. If you ever, if you ever get Hollywood to make that, please, please, please get me in that. Oh, 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 come in the garden and catch alligators for you. I don't care. I'll do anything. I'd love to do Uncharted <laughs> Path. I thought that was a great script. And that's the one you're on about. As you say, I, I relayed several of the different characters. I can even recite one now where, where, he's, where he's in a shop and he gets a cup of coffee. And he says, he says something like, oh, yeah, give, give me 40 Marlborough, stick it on the pad or something. And I can't remember, it was something like that. But I remember reading it and thinking, um, you know, how would he do that? Would he reach into his pocket first and think, oh, shit, I ain't got no fags. Get me some Marlboro, you know. I, I, was, I was physically doing it. I was physically putting my hand sort of into my shirt pocket. I haven't got any cigarettes, you know, like realisation. Um, it was just fleshing it out. I'd, I'd love to do that. That was a, that was a great script. I'd love, I have, I've lost it, actually. You, you did email it to me, but I lost it because my computer blew up. Well, didn't blow up. But it died and went to hell with Margaret Thatcher and EDRB and all them people. Um, so I haven't got it anymore. I'd love to read it again. Send it to me, will you? Yeah, yeah <laughs> I'll, I'll way, be happy Spielberg's to. Listening, if Spielberg's listening or Clint Eastwood or you know Martin Scorsese, anyone like that, please, please, please pick up Uncharted Path and think, oh, you know what? We need it. We need an unknown... English actor, maybe the one who's doing that that Battle of Lucy Sands that's coming out soon, and we'll get him to do it. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> well, <laughs> don't, don't worry, I'll, I'll I'll keep a copy of the script handy when you oh. accept your uh, BAFTA and your Academy. You know, I'll, I'll be I'll be over in the back near the janitor's closet, going, "Hey, Mark, do you remember me?" <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. What, standing there with your broom ready to sweep up all the glitter. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, Here, you know, you're going along with your question. Right there, yes. Here's a question well, I've you, always wanted to ask an actor. Would you prefer to star in one big, huge box office bash like, let's say, I don't know, you got the chance to play Iron Man one time. You were Iron Man. And you know it's going to be huge. But yet, would you turn down three other parts that the movie was not going to be so big? But yet, Iron Man, would you prefer to star in one big blockbuster or several not-so-big blockbusters? Well, for a start, I wouldn't want to play Iron Man because I hate ironing. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I, let's say Leonardo DiCaprio in Titanic. I'd rather no, 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 no. no yeah, I there we go. Mean. I know what you're getting at. I would rather I would rather do several good things with good characters and good this and good that 
than one big thing. I mean, let's face it, nine times out of ten, the big blockbusters, they don't... I'm talking about the craft here. I'm not talking about the money. I'm not talking about how many people walk into the theatre and sit down with their popcorn. I'm talking about the craft. Those big blockbusters do not have any work for actors, a true actor, in the sense of the craft. I mean, look at Star Wars, look at Independence Day, um, you know, you say about these Marvel things and, you know, the Lord of the Rings. No, I, I, I don't think there's anything here for someone who can really, you know, show what they can do because it is not written well enough. I, I, I'd sooner have a perfect example is that, that, that Samuel Jackson, the bloke who was in Jurassic Park and Pulp Fiction and all that. He, he goes from one film to the next, and he always plays really good characters. And he always plays really good characters. He always gets really good writing. Even if the film is lousy, like that Deep Blue Sea, the only scene that everyone remembers in Deep Blue Sea is that scene where he goes, oh, you see, you know, I see, you should see, I see, and all of a sudden the shark comes, oh, and he's gone. You know, yep. that, that was the only part of the film that anyone remembers. And, you know, that's about sharks. Now, what, what do people remember about Jaws? They remember, they remember the kid on the, on the, on the airbed. They remember Robert Shaw's Indianapolis speech. They remember, there's loads of things that people remember from Jaws. Um, and, of course, I, you're going to need a bigger I, boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And you've, got, you, you've got all that. I, I think that, I, I think that I'd rather, I would rather be, in that kind of vein, if I was to make it into films, I'd rather be somebody who could be remembered for really good characters in really good films. Because as I say, the, the good films aren't necessarily the ones that make loads of money. They're not necessarily the, the hits of the year. I'm, I mean, well, talking about William, I mean, talking about, um, talking about um, Kurt Russell. Yeah, how many films has he made that have been huge, huge hits? Not many. And yet he's always really, really good. He's really consistent. Something like Breakdown. He's, the role that he played in Breakdown was, you know, it was it was so memorable. <laughs> And, and yeah, I, 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 that, that's where I'd like to be in the sense of if I was in that position. I'd, I'd like to be in the sort of things where you get good characters and you get good writing. You can respect the authors and you can respect the, um, the directors. And yeah, a few people will see it. Now that you mentioned like uh, Kurt Russell and all that, I think Jeff Daniels. Oh, oh, oh man, I just blown away. Uh, Jeff, yeah, that's Jeff Daniels, right? Yeah, Jeff Daniels. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Okay. Good, because I had a. I think he's somebody that has. I think he's a great character actor too. You can tell he puts his heart into yeah. everything. I I really like him a lot. Yeah. In, in fact, if you want yeah, to see him, really is good. You know, if you want to see a really good, um, you know, film that he had done many years back, um, watch uh, The Crossing 
where he did where he portrayed Washington doing the crossing of the Delaware. And uh, oh, I never, yeah. I've never even heard of that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's I so know, funny because right? in the uh, in, in you know in the behind the scenes, you know, he admitted that that was the first time he actually had to learn how to ride horseback. And you know, and yeah. the agent was like, "You know how to ride a horse?" And he goes, "Yes, of course I can." Can somebody give me a horse trainer? <laughs> yeah. Well, famously, I, mean, I can tell you this, mate. The amount of actors that are on their CV, they'll put on there that they can ride a horse. They'll put on there, oh, I've done stage fighting. Oh, I can use a ball whip. I can fire a gun. I can do this. I can do that. They've never done anything at all, but they put it on their CV because like, they know full well that the odds are they won't get asked. Particularly if they're going for stage jobs, you're not going to get asked to ride a horse to do something at the London Palladium, are you? Well, you know. So they put it on the CV anyway. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it sounds, sounds tongue in cheek, but it's but it's but it's but it's true. Um, it, it's all about it's all about finding that fine line between what you can do or what you're going to want to do. It's all very well. I done stage fight training. But that was years ago when I was at theatre school. I haven't done it since. So that doesn't mean I could go on stage tomorrow and throw a punch at someone and not actually punch them, which is the whole point of stage fight. Um, <laughs> I'd have to have a refresher course, so to speak. Um I, I remember there was one time I I done um I can't remember what I can't remember what the show was, but there was a point where a guy is hiding in a bin and he gets punched and and he gets thrown in a bin. Like as in like when you know those wheelie bin type things, the big things with a flip top lid and all that. He gets punched and he ends up in this bin. And I was in the wings of this show, and I could hear this actor whimpering in this bin. I was thinking, what's happened out there? And then when the lights went down, because it was the end of the act, we got him out, and he was bleeding from the nose like no tomorrow, because the guy who was supposed to punch him had actually punched him. We'd done this <laughs> oh, five six times oh, each wow. night. And and it, it just it, it just went wrong on this particular night. He punched. He, it was like a thing. It was a fight scene where he punched. Where you, where you, they're fighting away, and then it, he gets thrown in this bin. And it was just it, it was terrible. His his costume was a terrible mess. I'll tell you what. It made the act, the second act look great because they didn't have to put the makeup on him. Because uh, at that point they they put the makeup on him, so it looked like he'd been punched. <laughs> they didn't need to do that. Yeah, there's there's an interval. You know, all the all the patrons to the theatre in the bar having a pint. Normally, the makeup artists are rushing and tearing around trying to put this makeup on this guy, make him look bruised and battered, and his shirt bloodied and all that. They didn't have they they got ten minutes off. You know, it was quite funny. But it's poor union break. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. Exactly. You know, now, Can I you know, now... While you're here, go on. Go on. I was, I was just going to say, I mean, what, what's probably one of the wildest things that you've seen, you know, 
on stage besides that part, besides the guy getting caught. Yeah. I mean, I know there's probably so many stories. Uh, I don't know. I've I, I, I done, done the theater stage at Glastonbury once. You heard of Glastonbury, the, the, the festival? The oh, music yeah. festival? Yeah, well, there's a theater stage there. There's a theater tent, as they call it. And we're halfway through doing um, Anthony and Cleopatra, and we just get stormed by a load of hippies. And this, this production, the show has to stop because there's all these there's all these hippies, all these great unwashed that you know they're all smoking God knows what, and they all decide that they're going to have a go at Shakespeare, and they're climbing up on the stage and they're doing out they're they're reciting our lines. So we're doing blah blah blah. We're doing a line, and somebody says it from the crowd. It was almost like yeah, it was almost like that that Spartacus. You know, I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. It was like that. It was everybody was repeating our lines, and all of a sudden they flooded the stage because they were all so stoned or you know drunk or whatever. That's the most surreal moment I've ever had on stage. That <laughs> nightmares thinking about it, but you know. Oh, I, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me ask you, what what would it, okay? Let's say a young actor who has seen all your movies, watched you on stage, huge fan of yours, finally gets the chance to meet you. He wants to be an actor like you. What advice would you give him about the industry? Believe in yourself. That's all you can say. Believe in yourself. Work hard. Um, Don't cut corners because somebody else will cut corners and they'll get the job. You know, if you cut corners... (laughs) You know they'll get the job, but they won't do as well as they won't do as good a job as you did. Bottom line is, if you're in the theatre, if one person comes to see that show, they've paid that money to see that show. Or if it's a full house, they've all paid to see that show. It's your job to give them that. Show. Do not cut corners. Do not think, oh, I don't need to learn that line because somebody will pick up on that. It don't really matter. It, 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 no. Every single word is vital, whether that's the smallest role on that stage or the biggest role in the, in the sense of the volume of the dialogue. It is so, so important to really focus and really, really, really believe that you can tell that story. If you don't think you can tell that story, then don't take the part. Go for another part. Um, that- if you're good looking, if you're overweight, if you're too old, or if you, or if you, you know, you, if you're not happy with the way you look or anything like that, that doesn't matter. There's still going to be a part there for you, because by definition, you are unique. Everybody is unique, and every director in the theatre, and I sh- presumably in film as well, every director will look at somebody and think that will look different. Look at Shakespeare. You, you know, Shakespeare has been done over 400 years. How is a director going to get something that nobody's ever seen before? Yeah. You know, that's what you've got to think. Yeah. That's why, to, to a certain degree, I prefer, I, I really like doing, I mean, the amount, I mean, the Lucy Sands is, the film is one thing, but 
I've I've been lucky in the sense that I've done five or six plays that are written by playwrights that have never been done before. So when I go on stage, I've done one called the Amazon. When I when I went on stage, I was doing something that had never been done before. Whereas when I've when I've committed to doing something like Cat on a Hot Tin Roof or you know, Anthony and Cleopatra or Hamlet or the Caucasian Jim Circle, all these classics. Yeah, Before I even start looking at the pages, I'm thinking, what could I do on this that nobody's ever done before? Even if I make a mistake, the odds are someone's already made a mistake. You know? Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. I guess guess that means Tom, Pranty, uh, you know, it's time to start looking at uh, in Rod we trust and uh, werewolf for a, you know yeah. a live audience uh, play. Yeah. Hey, you yeah. 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 You say about yeah. You say about werewolf. What about an American werewolf in London? I mean, there's a perfect example. Yeah. The guy who made that made the Blues Brothers, but he also yeah. decided you know. Yep. When Lon Chaney Jr. sat there and just gradually grew hair on his hands and his feet, it, 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 everything was steely blue. He wasn't in any sort of distress or any sort of discomfort. He thought, no, you know, like if, if a man is tall, turning into a dog, that's going to hurt. That character screaming and saying, oh, I'm sorry, I called you meatloaf and all that sort of stuff. He's in agony. You know, everything was, everything was deforming and everything was breaking and moving his shape, his shape is changing, his hands and nails are growing out of his fingers and all that. I mean, that transformation, the American werewolf in London, is, is it's good, not just because of the effects that was, I, I don't know who done the effects, was it Rob Bottin or someone like that, whoever it was. It, it, the effects yeah. were really good, but it wasn't. It wasn't powerful because of the effects. It was a powerful because the director had come to the conclusion. You know what? You wouldn't just be sitting in in your chair, just growing hair and just sitting there doing nothing. You know, not moaning about it. Right. You know. Yeah. And then, you know, and then of course I know for, for most most of us, for the because we're all about a certain age, you know. Now, whenever we hear CCR's Bad Mood Rising, that's the only thing that we can think of is that scene yeah. from American Werewolf. <laughs> yeah, Creed yeah. Revival. Yeah. 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 Yep. <laughs> I see a bad mood rising. Yeah. That's right. Uh, that's absolutely right. All the songs in that were themed around the moon, weren't they? Weren't they like Blue Moon and all that? Blue Moon of Kentucky or something. I don't know. There was quite a few. No, it was uh, yeah. a Blue Moon. Ding, 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 ding. Blue Moon. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I was yeah. playing more, what, a werewolf movie, actually. Yeah. I just can't think of which one. <laughs> well, you got more than but, a few options. So yeah. That's what makes it more fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You think uh, directors are going with more average-looking, you know, or you know, realistic, average-looking actors, you know, to fill roles more than they used to? I mean, it used to seem like it was always pretty people or average, you know, kind of average, but now it's like you get a good cross-section of different body types and, you know. 
don't know. But don't, yeah, maybe. Going by the things that are on the television this last couple of years, yeah, I think you're probably right. They are, they are going for... Um, they are going for real, real-looking people. They are going for real-looking people. They, 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 you know, oh, there are people Mark. out there that can do. Yeah. Yeah. I guess no, no, no more, uh, no more Charles Atlas movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's going on? What? I have no idea. I don't know. Mm. We're getting outside interference. Is it either that or, or, or somebody walking in the video 54? Maybe. Either that or is this, uh, is this the cheesy porn music channel? <laughs> is everybody there? Oh, Craig. Yep. Yeah. 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 Craig, Nick, Nick was whispering something to me, and then everything got so quiet. And and uh, yeah. yeah, sorry about that. I, I I was talking with Nick for a second. I was listening and I was talking, and then I was like, "Oh, everybody's quiet." Oh yeah, because also we we were hearing some really cheesy porn music, so trying to figure out where it was yeah. coming from. Oh, oh, that that music. Yeah. I I was out there in the garage talking with Nick, and I had the phone behind my back. So yeah, that that was Nick's music. Nick's music. All right, I I will I will say though, uh, Block Talk Radio. She's about to cut us off here soon. Uh, Alan, where Mark? I don't know why I, I like to call you Alan first. Uh, Mark, if people wanted to Google you, where would they find you? I'm probably on Google. Uh, <laughs> like what? Yeah. Um, well, I'm on, I'm, I am on Facebook. I know, I'm storming out there. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm on Facebook. Um, oh, just Google just Google me, I suppose. Yeah, I'm Mark mm-hmm. Allen Pilgrim, that's A-double-L-A-N, Mark with a K, A-double-L-A-N, and then Pilgrim, as in progress. Maybe someday I'll make some, but you never know. <laughs> now, always happy, always happy to, you know, share news and all that kind of thing and offer advice, you know, learn, learn from people as well, that helps, you know, because you always find... You always find people that can that can give you a gift, something you never realised you, you know that you knew. Yeah, yeah. What's the story behind? Um, what's the story? You, the story about oh, you, you you listen to Nick's music in the in the garage. What what's the story behind Willie Nelson on your program? Is it Willie Nelson? The the, the hesitation blues. <laughs> It's actually an interesting story. Um, When I first started the show, my very first episode, Block Talk Radio, they gave you a list of songs that they say that you can use on the show. I picked a different one, and it was a weird song. 
And the first guy that helped me host the show, his, his, I'll just say his name is John. I won't give a last name. But uh, even as soon as I brought him on, his first words was, what the hell kind of crap was that jungle music you were playing? What the hell? And he just, like, totally cussed it out. He's like, that is, that's like the worst effing song I ever heard. And, blah. and I was like, wow, okay. I don't think I'm going to keep this song. And then I went back and I was like, Willie Nelson? You can play Willie Nelson? That's like the biggest name ever. And then the next week, yeah. I played Willie Nelson. He was like, okay, now you got it. That song kicked ass. Love it. Keep it. And I've, I've always kept it. And when I played uh, Vicky Lizzie and uh, Jeff Conway's Crazy, because they gave us permission to play it while we were on at the opening song, and everybody was in the chat room. They said, this is a great song, but I'm sorry. You've got to bring back the Hesitation Blues. So yeah. I, I brought yeah. it back. <laughs> I said, oh, Hesitation wow. Blues is, is is what you need. And I, I fell in love with the song uh, almost immediately. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, That's yeah, a good story. Yeah. I, 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 did, yeah. I, I did wonder. I mean, as you say, he's very recognizable. He's, he's, he's almost, a, he's, he's up there with, with, you know, Elvis and Johnny Cash and Buddy Holly, Eddie Cox, and he's up there with all of them. He's instantly recognizable. So I just wondered what he, I just wondered what it he, was. He was he was the first person to ever be put on People magazine with long hair and a bandana and braids. If you look it up, Willie Nelson is the first person on Time magazine to ever have long hair like that as a male. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I love Willie Nelson. Oh, man, wouldn't it be great if we got Willie Nelson one night? He just says, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, go on. And he, yeah, go on. <laughs> he okay. plays yeah. dog, and he's like, hey, that's cool, man. What you don't want is to play Hesitation Blues, get Willie Nelson on it, for him to turn around and say, what the hell kind of crap was that? <laughs> 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 Although that I, would be I classic. I never thought about trying to get Willie Nelson. Oh my gosh. I think that would be a show that would break break block talk radio. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. But hey, if, if it does, then that's when we just come back next week and say, Hey, we're gonna try and break it again. Wait till you see who we have next. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Oh man, I, I never thought about Willie. Gee, I play him every. I love that song though. Woke up this morning, look for my shoes, look for my hunt, from my hesitation blues. Lord, tell me how long. Well, tell me how long. Do I have to? Do I have to Can I get you in now? <laughs> yeah, I, I know the song. All right. Speaking of hesitation blues, before we get cut off and we get some hesitation blues, I think we need to play it so we won't be cut off in mid sentence. All right. Well, definitely, Mark. It's great catching up with you, and thanks for coming yeah. by. Yeah, Mark, I'm, I'm sorry it took so long to get you back on. I'm sorry it took so long to get you back on. I definitely had every intention in getting you back on. This was a great show. Uh, thank you for thank waking you. up at 4 a.m. doing this with us. Thank uh, you, William, Tom. Tom. Yeah. Yep. Good night, everybody. 
Good night. Good night. Another great job. Another great show. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you guys on Sunday. Sunday night with okay. uh, John Mayberry. And, uh, you oh, know, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, and we will be taking callers. So if anybody wants to call in and have, they have a question for John Mayberry, please don't hesitate. Ah, back to the hesitation, please. Okay, here we go. Well, I'm bing. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Anytime. Good night. Good night. Well, that yeah. up this morning looking for my shoes look behind the trunk found the hesitation blues lordy tell me how long lordy tell me how long will i have to wait will i have to wait can i get you now can i get you now must i hesitate Take me rock away from here, Lordy. Tell me how long. Lordy, tell me how long. Will I have to wait? Will I have to wait? Can I get you now? Can I get you now? Must I hesitate?
Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 